Welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where we speak to the Catholic behind the account. Uh, today, I'm speaking with Lydia Ocasio-Stoutenberg. She has a, a doctorate from the University of Miami in special education. Uh, in addition, she recently co-authored a book called Meeting Families Where They Are, Building Equity Through Advocacy with Diverse Schools and Communities. And also, she's an advocate for special needs families. So thank you for coming on this uh, evening to talk about uh, your faith journey and your passion for equity and um, special, edu special education. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So something uh, how we got acquainted um, was some months ago, you just, I was just living my normal uh, social media life and uh, <laughs> out of the blue, you just sent me a message expressing some complimentary things and I was like well okay that's that's super nice of somebody to think that and so ever since then in like March it's been uh it seemed like a like a bi-weekly little pen pal ship or something that we've been doing on and you always have really great insights about you know current events and uh, things in the church and so I figured since I know you are uh you know a, a you have a, a immense um you know drive for us equity and special education services. I figured you would be the a prime example to share your faith journey and like ex tell more about your experiences in this field. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think it's great to, I'm relatively new to social media, but I, you know, lately I've realized how much it, how important it is to reach out to other people, especially um, like-minded folks that's really important for us you know as Catholics to reach out to people because you know even though we can encounter so many different people in the world it's just it's really important to have a network and just to keep that support going because um, I think that's what sustains us you know yeah it couldn't have been said any better than that so we're gonna get started so from what I know from speaking to you for a while um, I understand that you are a convert to the Catholic Church right or um Yes, sir. Yes. So why don't you give us your, your faith journey from, you know, the beginning, middle, and how you end up coming to the church and where you are now? All right. So my, my family is from um, Knoxville, Tennessee. So um, where they're from, they're, they were Congregationalists. So it's a denomination of Protestantism. And so they attended that church for uh, as long as I can remember, and that's what they brought us up in. And I was raised by my aunt and my grandmother primarily, um, and we attended Sunday school. I say we, my brother and I. My brother's four years older than I am. Um, we attended Sunday school every week, um, but I could really say that for the two of us, um, it just really didn't seem um, enough. Um, and I could say now then I can look back um, retrospectively, that's probably the, the working of the Holy Spirit because we really were like sponges. Um, my brother, um, they just couldn't have enough classes for him. They kept accelerating him to where he would be with the, the young adult group. Um, and for me, um, kind of as a little girl in a class with sort of middle schoolers or high schoolers, you know, it just became really uncomfortable. But I just felt myself like really just absorbing it. I mean, like I said, like a sponge, it just, the, 
the scriptural life I'm very appreciative of because it really gave me that. I mean, I just really got immersed in the word. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that foundation. Um, to have that at the beginning, especially when I was so young. Um, but it honestly was my brother who, in his conversations um, at the church, um, he just had so many questions, so many questions. And so eventually, they, I mean, these were really deep theological questions. So eventually his minister um, at the church told him, listen, I think you need to go to the Catholic church. Maybe they can answer some of your questions. And his questions really were centered around the Eucharist. Um, and they were really about, um, well, if Jesus said this is our bread and um, his, his, his body and his blood, then why aren't we looking at it that way? Why do we have these symbols of it in the church? And so, again, these are really deep questions. And I think passing him along to the Catholic Church was the best thing that could have ever happened because he got the answers to his questions, of course. And the first thing the priest did was give him um, St. Augustine's confessions. So um, and my brother just really took off from there. And I can't say that he really um, talked to me very much about it because um, a lot of where he was, I guess, being four years older than I was, um, was kind of over my head at the time. But I, what he did do, and this was my, my transformation, is that he took me um, to church with him. Um, and so what he did at the parish, he was working as a sacristan at the time. And um, he had already been confirmed and, you know, was really a lector, altar server. I mean, he was just the who's who. He read um, confessions and I guess that he took off from there. Um, and his confirmation, everything just went very, very quickly for him. Um, and I can't say that he tried to um, persuade me at all or teach me at all or, or um, because, again, he was much older. But I will say that he, um, again, left such a great and powerful witness for me. And so one day um, he took me to um, our parish, what was going to be at my parish too. Um, and he was already working as a sacristan and altar boy and a lot, of, a lot of things he was doing. And so he left me in the pew. I didn't realize that I was in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And so I sat there and just something really came over me. I felt like I was home. I felt loved. I felt like I belonged. It was such a beautiful feeling. I just, I had never felt such a, such an incredible power before. Um, and so I was 12 years old. And um, as young as I was, I knew at that moment I wanted to be Catholic. Um, so at 13, I, I went through the classes. I went through RCIA. It was then teen RCIA. And at 13, um, I received all three sacraments at, at Pentecost. Um, and it was beautiful, beautiful experience. So how did your, your faith end up, you know, developing from, you know, young teenage years to uh, over the years to where you are now? Well, I can't. I think at that time, um, a lot of a lot of folks might think that um, once you make your conversion, you're going to be welcomed very, very well, um, and that doesn't always happen. Uh, it's not always received well, especially if your faith is very different from from others and from those for those who are used to a version of you. And so, for me, uh, you know, 
not everyone in my family received it very well. Um, my friends couldn't relay because, you know, they were 13 and people were actually trying to think about moving away from some of that foundation rather than running toward it. So I did honestly feel very alone at the time. However, my parish had a very strong youth group. And so I got very involved. Um, my uh, pastor allowed me to be the cross bearer. So he wouldn't let us be altar service, of course, because we were girls. But to let me do that thing was, for me, I just, I felt important. I felt needed. I felt like I belonged. And again, I just kept that going for a number of years. I think by the time I got to college, I think that was where it become, became even more challenging. Um, again, because you don't have that, uh, that community, that nurturing that's there. Um, and a lot of the people that are around you in college, if they don't share your faith, are also, um, can also question you a lot. And you just don't have the support that you might need. So I would say that during the college years, it was much more difficult to, um, to, to nourish my faith and to keep growing. Um, so I, I do feel at one point, I just became very stagnant um, for a while as a young adult and um, just kind of recollected myself um, later on. Oh, how have, did you have any like memorable moments in your faith that made you really think like, wow, this was an incredible moment in time or something come alive to you during this time you've been Catholic or you had an influential person in your life who really helped guide you in the faith or anything like that? Well, I'll, sh I'll share two experiences with you. One, one was in 2008 and in 2008, um, my dad passed away. And um, I had just moved down to Florida. I, I grew up in New York. Um, my dad passed away, and um, I found out just on my birthday, actually, that he was in a coma. And just a few days after that, he had passed away, and I actually didn't get back up to New York in time to see him. And so I was really, really angry. I was really, really hurt because even though we were not very close, I just wanted a moment with him to say goodbye or to say, it's all good. You know, I don't hold any animosity towards you. And I felt really robbed of that moment. And I could say, honestly, I felt um, in, I was in prayer and I remember hearing God's voice very distinct, very distinctly. I was angry. I was crying. And I remember God saying to me, he said, are you angry with me? So I'm just like, okay, I, I'm tripping because I know I do not hear God talking to me. I must be, this is impossible. But he said my name. He says, Lydia, are you angry with me? And I just, I didn't answer because I just, I was so ashamed of that feeling. You know, you're not supposed to be mad at God, you know. But it was just, it was making me confront my feelings and say, you know, I understand you and where you are right now. Um, and I can just feel just a wave of complete trust and just letting go. Um, again, and my faith deepened in a way I could never imagine just from opening up how I felt at that moment. And for him just reassuring me, like, I understand how you feel and it's okay. He knows. He knows you forgave him. He knows it's okay. 
Um, and I, I think that was the beginning of me just taking off and being a different person um, and just really living my faith out the way I had never before. So, um, and the second time I think was in 2010, um, in 2010, I was um, pregnant with my, my fifth child. And I remember receiving a phone call that uh, the doctor had told, uh, well, the um, they had referred us to a genetic counselor, had told us that um, it was likely that um, our, my son would have Down syndrome. The chances were about one in 14. So, I mean, just my, my scientific mind is like one in 14. I mean, that's, wow, <laughs> okay. Um, but it was really hard. It was really hard because of the responses of people around me, my family members. Um, again, just people really mean well, but it's just because it's just so unknown and what are you going to do? And they think of the worst case scenarios. And back then we didn't have like, you know, things where we could join Facebook groups and things like that that were supportive. It was just you're on your own. So the things that you would read on these, on these chat rooms were just depressing. I mean, they were horrible. And, it, and so it could leave somebody without hope. Um, but the moment that he was born, I sort of let that go and said, okay, whatever happens, God, I trust you. Um, and the moment he was born and the team came into the room and they said, yeah, um, he has Down syndrome. We're pretty sure. We're going to do the karyotype, but we're pretty sure we're looking at his features. I think at that moment, I felt this, you know, I, I, I cried, I cried for a few moments. You just, you, we, you sob, you weep for everything you might have thought that he might become, you know, but then just, I just thought of the Blessed Mother and I thought of her on the cross, looking up at the cross and not knowing what was going to happen next. I thought of her putting her son in the tomb and just not knowing the resurrection was coming, like just absolute trust absolute trust when she was told she was going to be giving birth to the son of God. I mean, it's just, I thought of her at every moment and I just said, okay, your will be done. And from then on, that's been it. Well, that's a remarkable testimony right there. So thank you for sharing uh, those two okay. stories. I know it's a little bit vulnerable. Um, so, I mean, you've been a Catholic for pretty a long time. And um, do you have any advice for anybody who's discerning or thinking about converting to the Catholic Church? What would you say to them? I mean, I think I think what's very important is to really know your faith because and and find out. I mean, we're in a we're in a, the digital age. We're in an age where you can find out so much. However, however, we're also in an age where some things you might hear are not so positive. It's very important to find, like I said, like-minded folks who are going to um, tell you the truth about the faith and deliver it to you well, immerse yourself in readings, um, keep with the sacraments, um, and keep open to his grace every day. Um, but I cannot emphasize enough like-minded like folks because as much as you may have this wonderful gift, I mean, just be gifted by the Holy Spirit and have it. It's just, it's the kind of thing, it's like a plant, you know, it needs to be nurtured and needs to be cultivated and needs it every single day. Um, and it's wonderful to have people around you supportive of that and, and loving you for it. You're, you're more likely to, to, to stay the course and stay the journey. Um, 
but you know what you're there for. Uh, even if you feel at times unwelcomed, even if you feel at times, you know, afraid or, or as if you aren't doing the right thing, you know that there is no replacement. And I think that's the summary of my faith. There really is no replacement for, for our faith and for Jesus in the sacrament. There's just really, there's nothing else like it in the world. Well, thank you for sharing your advice. I'm sure it's going to benefit someone. So the next part, we're going to switch into the human interest component. And so I know I should have said this at first, but I don't think I said it, but you are actually a doctor. Uh, you got a doctor in front of your name, and that's a, a huge accomplishment. So how did you get, and you got your doctorate in special education. So how did you um, get involved with, you know, special education activism and what influenced you to, you know, want to, uh, be a change agent in society? Well, I'm going to be honest. This wasn't my life for a long time. I was a, I was a science teacher. I was teaching biology. I taught biology for years, for years. I um, used to teach anatomy and physiology. And so that was my thing. It's just, I mean, science is just, you can't question it. It is what it is. And um I think it was the birth of my son that really changed my life. I mean, I was going through the motions. I mean, I, I love teaching because it's, you always get a new flock of students and most of my students are pre-help and it's always new. It's always fresh. I always love engaging with people, but I kind of felt like I was going through the motions at one point. Um, and so when my son was born with his diagnosis, I just, you know, something just really told me, I said, Lydia, what are you going to do? You know, is it just about him? Um, and I just felt this calling. I said, you know, I have to speak up. I know there are people like me who feel, again, like everybody's staring at you and your child. Everybody says, oh, I'm so sorry, as if, you know, this is a death sentence you're reaching just because your child is different. Um, and so I, I really felt compelled to work toward that. And so I started off um, taking some classes in special education. I also um, got a degree in Catholic bioethics, um, which is a priest of friend of mine. He called some folks for the first cohort for that. And mm-hmm. again, that really solidified. I mean, just having all the, the knowledge from, from of how precious life is. Um, was really important for me. And finally, I, I realized, you know, let's finish this off. And I went off to receive my doctorate in special education. And um, that allowed me to do a lot of things and just to, to be there to help families who can't compensate me. And, you know, I go to their meetings with them. I go to IEP meetings, just give them advice. And But sometimes it's not even advice. Sometimes they just want someone to listen, someone who can relate, someone who can understand. And I think that's the most important part is just being there for people. Hmm. Didn't know it's you a were great <laughs> Yes, yeah. Okay. So what were some uh, early challenges that you experienced when you first got involved with, uh, you know, advocating, deciding to advocate for others in this capacity? Um, I think that um, even though this is 2020, a lot of people um, out there are really, um, really still discriminate. I mean, we're living in a time where we think that a lot of the stuff is in the past. Um, a lot of people don't know history, but 
they think that, okay, those were times when people treated people who were different. Um, that was way back then. But that is so present today. I mean, people are still discriminating against people um, because of their differences, because of the color mm-hmm. of their skin, because they of their socioeconomic status. I mean, you name it, you name it. Um, and so that I think that's the biggest challenge. And the biggest challenge is also assuming that everyone has the same tools in order to uh, navigate their social systems. And everybody doesn't have the same tools um, to start with. So when you don't start off from the same starting block, how do you expect to run the race the same? Um, and I think that's a great assumption that we have to overcome in society is that um, we we are equal when there are so many inequities that are there from the beginning. Yeah, that's a really good point. So while, since you've been engaged in this sort of activism for you know nearly a decade, what are some things that you've gained um, while doing this kind of work? Um, I've learned from parents. I've, I've learned from families. Um, I've learned most that um, to have compassion. Um, one of the things I did a couple of years ago, um, I, I, I'll tell you this really quickly, is um, my son just, he had an accident and it was, it was, it was bad. It was so bad. It was so bad that there was just poop um, everywhere. It was, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was like an explosion. And he was cleaned up. Everything, everybody cleaned up. My hands smelled like bleach. You know, it was just, I just sat there. I sat on the floor and I just cried. I just cried because I was exhausted. And my husband was away on business and I was just so tired. And I, I don't, re- it wasn't even a prayer. I just called out. I said, Lord, please, can you make my load lighter? Please. And I, I again, I remember him saying to me in, in my deep subconscious, he said, Lydia, if I make your load lighter, will you fight for people the way you do? And I said, oh, let me, let me shut up because you're right. And it's still true. You know, he gives you these, he gives you the cross for a reason. It's because you have a perspective. And I think that's why I'm able to, I think, sit down with parents, parents who from all different backgrounds, they have no money, all different races, all different parenting styles, single parents, and just really listen to their story and see, what do you need? What can I help you? How can I, who can I connect you with? Um, and that's, that's been my, my greatest joy of doing this work. So how has your Catholic faith, you know, intersected with your work for advocating for um, families and, um, you know, people with special uh, disabilities and special education? How has your faith been impacted or how have you, you know, use your faith in that way? Well, I'll tell you something that we are blessed because the hardest thing is for us, for, for people who don't have the faith, to have hope. And I think that is a treasure of our Catholic faith is to have hope beyond what we can see. Because sometimes what's apparent to you, it looks terrible. It looks like there's no positive outcome at all. But, you know, the Lord teaches us to, to, to have hope beyond what's in front of us, to, to believe without seeing. And I think that's been the biggest thing to, to impart into families is to have hope. Um, so, Again, at that moment when I had that prayer um, and, I, and I felt just totally exhausted, 
I decided, you know, what would be wonderful is to have a retreat for families of children with disabilities. And so I, I took it to prayer. Um, and I had a friend who was working in special education. And, um, you know, I, pushed, I pitched it to him. I said, listen, what do you think about a retreat? for families of children with disabilities. He says, Lydia, that's crazy. You come up with these, you know, wild, crazy ideas. I said, listen, I think this would be great. I think they'll need it. Um, and so within a few months, we pulled it together and we had confession, we had, um, we had prayer, we had people's giving their, their faith witness, we had people talking, sharing. We even had some special ed teachers volunteer to watch um, the children so the parents could really enjoy the day. Um, and it was just a lot of sharing. And I, I just stood back and I watched and I said, you know, look at God, look at God. This was just an idea I had. And it, it, it just, it became a reality. And so my friend said to me, he says, you know, I thought, I thought you wanted this for you. I thought you would have enjoyed it. I said, I'm enjoying watching the grace for other people. Like that, that is my grace. Like I'm receiving now watching them. So. Oh, that's, that's a powerful Way to witness in your in your job, to in, the way your faith is, you know, displayed with instilling hope and you know reaping joy from watching other people sharing authentic love is a is a powerful um, expression, I think. So, Amen. but I, I definitely want to say thank you for taking this time to come on, and I know just listening to your story on here has been deeply enriching for me as an educator. And I, I'm just connecting so many things that you say about special education. And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm brainstorming for the fall. Like, how, how am I going to go into the classroom and have an all-means-all attitude and a even more equitable, you know, environment for my students? So definitely appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your, your knowledge on this crucial area and, you know, not just education, but in life, because this is a life issue. Thank you. So, Thank so you. Um, with that being said, that's all I wanted to say, and I just want to continue to pray for you and wish you success on this, you know, extraordinary mission that you've been called to with special education, and um, hope we continue to um, talk and keep in touch like we do, because uh, you have always good insight and always have a keen perspective on um, current events and the news of the day. So, uh, Amen. and I'm glad that we got to have a conversation and I hope you guys tune in to the next episode of Saintly Witnesses.